Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen, Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This week on the show, I'm delighted to welcome a very special guest, Neil Patel. Neil has built a huge visibility in his market online and he's done so in one of the most competitive spaces in the world, digital marketing. His blog and the blogs of the companies that he owns rank really well. For example, if you search for online marketing, you'll notice that positions one and two are his website and a website of a company that he owns. So think about the number of savvy marketing companies that would love to rank for those phrases and you'll begin to appreciate what a feat this is. Obviously, this type of ranking drives a huge amount of traffic to his businesses. So in this episode, I want to really dissect Neil's content strategy for you and draw some lessons that you can apply to your own website to make your blog a force of nature. Now, don't forget, if you'd like us to create a custom, bespoke website and marketing plan for your business, then you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. The review and plan is awesome. Anyway, without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey Neil, welcome to the show. Obviously, one of the things that you do really well is you put out a huge amount of content and the content is all really good quality stuff. Um, so there's obviously a, a time and a, and a money investment here that you've, you've made and that you've committed to over the years. What's your goal with putting out this amount of really good quality content on your blogs? Just help people. It also builds up a brand and long term, it creates monetization opportunities. So I'm a big believer you give first and then you receive later. This is actually a really important point. One of the things that we'll often recommend to people if they're struggling to come up with blog topics that are getting shares and engagement is to think of the top problems or questions that your audience has. For example, if we go to Neil's blog and we have a look at the posts which have had the most shares, they're all how-to articles. So, how to start a blog that makes $3,817 a month, how to create a social media branding strategy, how to get Instagram followers. So it's all instructional helpful stuff. So think about what are the top questions or issues that your audience has and then simply write blog posts which help them solve those problems. Okay, so maybe you could take us behind the scenes of, of the content machine. So are you writing the stuff yourself? Are you having outsourcers write it? Do you have an editing team? How does it all work behind the scenes for you? Yeah, it's, it's me pretty much writing most of it. Um, David and I brainstorm headline ideas. Uh, then from there, Double ends up checking it. Then it goes to the editor, Scott. Uh, then Double puts it up. Then David and I work on headline variations. Um, with Daniel and then it gets scheduled up. So I guess most people listening won't have necessarily a content or an editorial team. I think it's important to, to, to remind them that actually, you know, when you started, it was just you doing everything yourself, right? Yeah, pretty much doing everything myself. So. so that represents quite an investment in time and energy, particularly during the growth phase when you're not necessarily seeing the day-to-day results, right? Exactly, but it's worth it. 
And I think that's one of the things that people tend to get really hung up on when they're starting out with their blogging. They'll write a post, it won't get much engagement, it won't get many shares. They'll write another one and the same thing will happen. And they lose energy and start to doubt the strategy. I think it's really important to be conscious of the fact that you're probably going to be writing blog posts for the best part of a year before they get any real traction at all. So keep the faith, identify the topics that are going to be of interest to your audience and just keep going. Neil, one of the things I've noticed you do with your posts is you'll write a how-to post, but you'll answer the audience's inevitable objection in the title of that post. Um, So maybe you could talk us through your process for identifying how you would do that and just give us a couple of examples. So it's like, for example, I wrote a blog post the other day on how to get more social traffic without being popular. Because a lot of people are like, well, how do I get social traffic without being popular or without having money? I did another one recently, like how to connect with influencers uh, or how to get promoted by influencers when you're a nobody, right? Because everyone's like, oh, that doesn't work unless you're well-connected and you're a somebody. So it's like just debunking the myths in essence. So I guess what you're doing there is you're answering the objection that your that the reader will have as soon as they see that really compelling headline so awesome i want to use influencers i want to grow my business ah but i don't have much following so you're you're addressing that concern immediately making it much more likely that they're going to click on that post so i guess one of the things that our listeners can take from this is a, a good formula for blog post topics can be how to do something cool even if you don't have something which you probably don't have so for example a dentist could say how to have a completely amazing smile even if you don't have a huge budget for cosmetic surgery or even if you don't like drills or, so, or you know something along those lines. We spoke on a recent episode about how to come up with blog topic ideas if you're a boring business. Um, what are your best suggestions for, for companies that are maybe less exciting, how they can come up with the sort of blog posts that are going to get a lot of social shares and links? Yeah, go to Quora and go type in keywords relevant to your field and you'll see the most popular questions. People even have questions on accounting, like what could they write off, etc. right? Ways to save on taxes, whatever it may be. But Quora will show you the most popular questions people have and those tend to do really well on social media. Awesome. Okay, I want to talk a bit about headlines. Um, you mentioned at the start that you have a, an iteration process for your headlines, you'll revisit headlines. And obviously headlines are, are important, but I think for a lot of bloggers, they're, they're kind of an afterthought. It's the, the thing that you do quickly at the end or, or that you do right at the start. Um, some of the headlines on, on your posts are, are just impossible not to click on. For example, your recent post, I waste $12,512 a day on Facebook fans and I'm not going to stop. Here's why. I, you can't not click on that. So um, how much of the success of a particular blog post do you attribute to the headline? Almost all of it. Serious, almost all of it. David Ogilvy used to say something like, uh, for every you know dollar I spend on advertising, 80 cents goes towards the headline. So with them being that important, do you have a formula or a... Uh, a kind of certain components which you would always make sure to include in every headline that you write? Engaging, um, something that evokes curiosity, could have stats, how to list, uh, something that's not played out. That one's actually big. No one really talks about that. But even if you use all these tactics, if people have heard a similar headline so often, it won't do well. 
One of the things I've noticed you do quite a lot is you you seem to often include some sort of contradiction in your headlines. For example, I waste X and I'm not going to stop um, or how to get this thing even if you don't have this other thing which you would think would be you know a, a, a prerequisite of, of having this thing. So do you like to include this kind of curiosity element which appears to defy belief in order to get people saying well hold on you know that doesn't make sense I better see what's going on here yeah it, it, exactly right and it's all possible too right I'm not making it up uh, it, the, the point I'm trying to say is and you got it right in which just debunking myths right in your space and teaching people how to do things when the odds are stacked against them really works out well like for example your accounting firm right how to save three thousand two hundred and twenty? How to get a three thousand two hundred and twenty dollar tax rebate without using a CPA? Right, that's pretty cool. It's like, wait, I want a rebate. I can't afford to use a CPA. So it's identifying the the core need, the tax rebate that the audience is thinking about, and then it's positioning it in a way that's more intriguing than just here's how to get a tax rebate or five steps to follow to get your tax rebate. That's correct, and then. You're going to have a portion of those people who are like, this guy is smart. I'd rather just pay him. I don't want to deal with it. And then I'm assuming you'd have some sort of CTA at the end of that post, which said something like, if you want to find out how much you could claim as a rebate, fill in the details here. Yes. Before we move on, I just want to ask, are there any specific people or any specific places that you've studied um, this headline ability that, that you seem to have? Uh, any references? You mentioned David Ogilvie earlier. Yeah, like uh, I, I read a lot of David Ogilvie's stuff. Um, but in general, right, for me, I uh, it's really brainstorming. If you can convince other people to... Uh, other people in your space say like, oh, this is an amazing headline, like, you'll do well. As a quick aside, following on from what Neil just said, uh, one of the things that author Tim Ferriss did when he was writing his first book, The 4-Hour Body, is he split-tested different headlines by running Google ads um, using the different headlines as the ad text. And what he did was he looked at which ad had the highest click-through rate, so which title was generating the most interest amongst his target audience. So if you're planning on writing a book, that could be a good way to figure out a nice title. Neil, I'm curious, have you ever written a post which you're really proud of, given it a headline and it's just bombed, and then you've gone back, tweaked the headline and that's had an impact? Or do you pretty much always smash it straight out of the gate? No, sometimes I get it wrong, I just move on though. What, you mean you'll just leave the post for dead and move on and write some other stuff? That's correct, yes. I have to say, this is one of Neil's answers that surprised me the most. It's a well-known strategy to go and rewrite posts, both those that are underperforming and those that are performing well. And for example, we'll often go and rewrite a three best X of 2016 and we'll turn that post into a three best X of 2017 and add some more detail to it, maybe change things around a little bit and improve that article in some way. Because we know that people in the new year are gonna be searching for that, for that new year post. Um, so rewriting posts, both those are the good and those that need some work is definitely a, a strong thing to do and I wouldn't necessarily agree with Neil's approach here. Neil, let's talk about SEO. 
Um, how do you balance the needs of SEO with coming up with blog posts and headlines which are, uh, which are likely to rank well? So, for example, keywords. How much are they a consideration when you're coming up with a blog post title? Uh, keywords are something I consider. But more importantly than keywords, it's I look at topics, themes, like what am I covering? Oh, uh, you know, I'm discussing uh, becoming popular on social media or I'm discussing connecting with social media influencers. But I look at like topics, not necessarily just the keyword. So I don't always think about like, oh, I need the word social media in there, right? Google's smart enough to figure that out. I guess one of the things about your super long blog posts where we're talking kind of 5,000 words the keywords are going to be in there anyway. The keywords and their variations are, are, are going to be in the content. So you don't necessarily have to worry so much about putting them in the headlines. So in your case, you're focusing purely on, on getting those kind of social shares and increasing click-through rate with your headlines. That's correct. I want to change track a little bit, um, if you don't mind, and, and talk about some of the work that you've done with some larger brands. So companies like Amazon, HP, I think it's really interesting to see what they are doing with this stuff um, because there's often a lot that, that smaller businesses can take from that. So when these guys are coming to you, are they coming to you with problems of a certain type or is it all a, a complete mixture? It's all random. There's no one generic problem. HP wanted, this was years ago, wanted to bring awareness to the printing option to use HP printers because they started noticing a decline. Um, so we got all the popular blogs like TechCrunch, et cetera, to do like print with HP buttons on the right for branding. Uh, Amazon, a lot of it was CRO stuff. Uh, Google, a lot of it was promoting AdWords. So just making AdWords more popular in regions where AdWords isn't talked about as much. Um, but yeah, they're all really weird edge cases. Okay, so for example, Amazon, when they're talking about CRO, are they coming to you with a, a specific problem? Hey, we want to increase the conversion rate of our checkout page, or are they just... You know, no, they're just like, help us boost our sales. Like, look at the site. Where do you think you can help us grow? And, they, and they'll tell you what they're looking for, right? They're just like, yeah, we, we get a ton of traffic. We just need new, fresh ideas on conversion rate optimization. Can you provide some? Okay, so I'm assuming that they're just getting the opinions of lots and lots of different CRO people, throwing them all into a big mixing pot and seeing what keeps coming out? I have no idea. <laughs> they're so big and there's so many divisions and teams and landing pages, right? But the team I was working with only worked with me, but I bet other divisions were working with other teams and other consultants, etc., right? Yeah, yeah, they must have sick levels of data. I'd love to dig around inside their analytics. <laughs> yeah, they probably more than most people. What's the smallest thing that you've recommended to, to a site that's had the biggest impact on their bottom line or their conversions? Uh, Third-party authentication. So instead of signing, click sign in with Facebook or log in with Facebook or log in with Google. That's helped a lot. Okay. Do you have any guideline numbers? So let's say someone's got their name, email, sign up form on their site and they're looking to replace it with something like a Facebook sign in form. Do you have any guidelines as to what sort of conversion bump you would expect to see from a change like that? Uh, it ranges. I'm seeing anywhere from like 10, 15 on a fully optimized site to like 30, 40 plus on a non-optimized site. Wow. Okay. So pretty big bump. Mm -hmm. One of the big uh, testimonials that you use on your website is from Ben Hu from I Can Has Cheeseburger and particularly talking about the ridiculous number of visitors that, that their website now gets um, as a result of your work together. 
what exactly was it that, that you did for I Can Has Cheeseburger, which made such an impact to them? Fix the title tags or all duplicate URL structure, figured out how to combine the sites into one site so you have more authority, um, stuff like that, right? Uh, figuring out how to promote the site more on social media, create that viral loop. But little changes like that just really help the traffic. You have to keep in mind, content was already viral, right? I didn't take it from nothing to 500 million. They were already getting millions of views, but I started getting big double-digit lifts because it just wasn't fine-tuned. That's really interesting because from an SEO perspective, a lot of the stuff you just mentioned is, is really kind of foundational. Is it that sites like that and you know sites like Lad Bible they grow so fast because of the viral content nature of their businesses that they just don't really have time for the, for the SEO work to catch up? Yeah, a lot of times. So it's just you have to play it by ear because every business is so different. But the beautiful thing is like there's opportunity in all businesses, even mine. I was in Canada. There was a guy named Tyler. He's like, your URL structure is all messed up on neilpatel.com. Remove the dates and do these other changes to get a huge impact. I've heard people say it, right? And when I hear people say it, I just didn't. I don't do a lot of these things because I'm like, well, how much of an impact is it really going to provide? So I'm like, you know what? What do you charge for consulting? He's like 20,000 Canadians, sent him the money. He sent me a page of changes. You know, it took him a month to send them to me, but it probably took him like four or five hours to send me those changes, maybe eight. My search traffic went up by 40 plus percent. I'm like, well worth it. That's crazy because that's just the WordPress setting. That's just choosing the post name as your permalink rather than having the 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 date then the post name right that's that's such a huge lift for something which is so fundamental yeah yeah my new URL structure is neilpatel.com slash blog same slash title of post and that has improved your search ranking because now Google understands the the topic of the post and it's not associated with a date topical hierarchy right before neilpatel.com slash year slash month slash blog post name that's telling Google, hey, I'm related to this blog post is related towards this date versus this blog post is related towards SEO or social media or et cetera. Cool. Let, let's go from talking about some quite big examples to talking about some, some smaller examples because a lot of listeners to the podcast are smaller, medium sized businesses. Let's say that for whatever reason, you know, your blogs went away, you decided to stop writing your blogs and instead you decided to start up a, a new business, a local business. Where would be the first place that you put your attention? If I was to start a new business? Yeah, brand new business. So imagine Neil's Cake Shop. What's the first thing you would do? First place you put your attention? Just go find people who are popular on Instagram and just give them free cakes. Seriously, that's what I would do. Okay, so let's try another one. Uh, let's try something that's a little bit less sexy. Go for let's it. Let's say that you open Neil's Plumbing Company. What would your approach be there? All right. So let's say if you want to do a plumber in Wisconsin, other than go find all the local regions around that city and submit it to Google Maps, right, because you can claim more than just one area, I would do that. Then I would connect with all the BBBs and like the Chamber of Commerce and stuff like that and make sure my profile is submitted, uh, make sure I have awesome Yelp ratings or get people to rate me. And once you do some of those things, over time you'll notice that you start getting more localized business. Alrighty, and last question before we wrap up. You have $1,000 left to promote neilpatel.com, your business. Um, where would you focus that budget? What would you spend that money on? 
save the thousand bucks and figure out how to bootstrap it and do things like doing outreach or partnerships or affiliate deals where they get paid based on performance. Neil, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, if you want a free website and marketing review with a bespoke digital marketing plan mapped out for you to help your business increase its visibility and the sales and leads that it generates, then head over to www.exposureninja.com. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, then don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating to let us know how we're doing. And tune in next week for more digital marketing.